AV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit community of real estate investors with programs available for all levels of experience. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 513-407-3137 or at CincinnatiREIA.com. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program. WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, WLHS, the Lakota Local School District, or staff and management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as specific legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on WMKV, WLHS, and the Maple Knoll Radio Network. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. Good afternoon. I am Vena Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, where every single solitary week we strive to be your national radio source for the inspiration and motivation and information and education you need to start or build your own real estate investing business. Today is question and answer week on real life real estate investing. And those of you who uh, have been listening since early on in the show today know that uh, thanks to some sudden uh, nasty downpours outside, uh, I was about uh, two minutes late here for the program. So I am currently trying to uh, open up my... um, my uh, uh, email so that I can check out questions that folks might have sent in for real life real estate prior to the program. That's how it works here on the last Wednesday of every month is we have a, uh, a an open mic day and uh, the folks who are on our email list and you get there by the way by going to realliferealestate.com and filling out the little form that says, yeah, send me emails. Uh, We send out an email early in the week and say, hey, anybody got any questions? And uh, folks who do send them in via email through the same site, realliferealestate.com. So while that's going on, if you have any questions regarding um, anything about real estate investing, getting started, uh, um, managing tenants, uh, financing, deal finding, uh, anything like that, you can give us a call here at the studio at 877-772-9658. Again, that's toll free from wherever you are at 877-772-9658. Again, it's question and answer week, so there is no question, at least not involving real estate, that is out of order today. Um, The Real Estate Investors Association of Greater Cincinnati holds its first meeting for the month of September tomorrow. Oh my goodness, what happened to the year? It's September already, 
And uh, the main meeting at uh, 7.30 is a show me the money panel by some local lenders, both of the private variety and the more traditional uh, banking variety, uh, talking about uh, good ways to impress them into uh, loaning you money or to put it another way, uh, perhaps um, how you qualify for money for rehabs, rentals, etc. through their uh, companies. The early meeting at six o'clock is demystifying contract law with Terry Money, a local attorney who's been in real estate since, well, before I got started. I remember working with Terry way, way, way back in the day. Uh, This meeting is uh, free to members and first-time guests. You can find out more information about where it is and also RSVP and download a guest pass at CincinnatiRIA.com. That's CincinnatiREIA.com. You've been hearing a lot here lately on real life real estate investing about our uh, annual convention that's happening here in Cincinnati on November the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th. Many of the folks that you've heard here on real life real estate over the last few months have been people who are going to be making live appearances and giving actual, you know, organized presentations at that uh, convention. And we are now within two weeks of your chance to get a real-life real estate listener special on the convention. So please mark those dates off your calendar. November 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, you are going to be here in Cincinnati along with 700 of your colleagues from all over the United States. And uh, also um, mark your calendar to listen to Real Life Real Estate Investing over the course of the next couple of weeks because we will have a listener special that you can only get by being here on Real Life Real Estate over the next few weeks. Again, it's question and answer week here on the show. Uh, You can ask questions via email by sending them to realliferealestate.com. That is to say, go to realliferealestate.com and then fill in the ask a question uh, form there on the website where you can give us a call at 877-772-9658. We'll be back to answer your questions right after this. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I am your host, Vina Jones-Cox. It's the last Wednesday of the month, and that means it's question and answer week here on Real Life Real Estate, which means if you have any questions about something about investment real estate, you should give us a call here in the studio at 877-772-9658. Alternatively, you can go to our website at realliferealestate.com and fill in the Ask Vina a Question form and hit send, and then your uh, email will come here. Any question is a perfectly good question for Real Life Real Estate today. Um, More beginner questions, more advanced questions. Here's one from RK that would fall into that more advanced category. Uh, How would one evaluate a borrower if functioning as a private lender. So I'm not a seller financier. 
I'm not selling a house and carrying back the financing. Instead, I am loaning money to someone who wants to purchase and renovate a property. I once came up with the suggestion of a financial investor, a, at, the, at the suggestion of a financial investor, a due diligence list for partners, kind of like a job application. And, a due, and uh, it's actually stricter than most banks, especially fitting a situation where the borrower may be somewhat questionable. Um, okay, so first of all, RK, good for you for looking to put together a checklist that would predict the success rate of a potential borrower. Because there are things that banks care about that you probably don't care about as a private lender. For instance, you probably don't have a whole lot of concern about how many other loans that borrower might have as long as he's got the incoming money to pay all of them, right? So, so um, you know, banks get very, very concerned about do you have less than 10 loans? And, and I'm not sure that that would be something that you as a private lender would care that much about. If more private lenders would come up with criteria like these, there would be less um, there would be less of a need for folks like me to to step in and try and untangle private loans gone bad, which I am asked to do quite a bit. And usually when I hear the story, it turns out that the problem was that the lender did not do enough due diligence uh, either on the property, the deal, or the borrower himself. Now, some basic, some basic things that as a private lender, you would probably like to see. Uh, number one, you probably would like to see a copy of the seller's credit or the seller, the, the borrower's uh, credit report, not because it maybe is all that crucial to you that they have an 800 credit score, but rather because you want to see what their history is of paying, uh, particularly other lenders. Um, it, it amazes me how often a private lender will be looking to to make a, a sizable loan, a five or six figure loan to a borrower and won't even go look at courthouse data to see whether that borrower has, has maybe um, done this before with other private lenders and not paid and been sued or foreclosed upon. I mean, seriously, it's not that hard to find out if you're if your private lender has a, at least a legal or your borrower has at least a legal history of not making good on his loans. Um, another thing that you definitely want as a private lender is a real grip on the deal itself. What is the after repaired value of the property? What does the property realistically need to put it into after repaired condition? And what should that realistically cost? Um, it is often the case that a borrower will go to a private lender and either through ignorance, just they, they, they're too new to know, or through an attempt to make the deal look better than it is, 
will overstate the fixed up value of the property, will create a suggested repair list that is not in fact going to put the property in a good after repair condition, and then will will have a price list for those repairs that is not realistic, that won't actually pay for them. And you might say, well, what do I care? As the lender, if they run out of money, they just have to make up the money. Well, they have to make up the money unless they can't make up the money. They have to make up the money unless they get the rehab three quarters of the way finished and can't sell the property and can't borrow any more money and can't, you know, can't can't pay you back because they've got a three quarters of the way finished property that is not ready to be sold. Those numbers need to come from if you if you cannot walk through the property yourself and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, you're not planning on putting a new kitchen in here. This house needs a new kitchen if it's seriously going to be worth three hundred thousand dollars fixed up. Then you should probably have a third party professional do that. Um, if 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 a borrower comes to me and hands me an appraisal and says, see, I already got an appraisal. This house is definitely worth three hundred thousand dollars. I am more suspicious than if he tells me that the property is worth $300,000 and I go get a different appraisal that, that, that I ordered and I paid for. The thing is, private loans should be very lucrative and easy deals for the lenders. The kinds of returns that you can get making making a, a long-term private loan at 6 or 8% versus putting that money in a certificate of deposit or something and getting what half a percent or one percent are so high that sometimes they cloud your vision and you get a you get a but how can I lose the house is worth a hundred thousand dollars and I'm only lending 70 kind of attitude and unfortunately if the situation is really that the house would be worth a hundred thousand dollars if the borrower did the $30,000 of work it needs and you are loaning 70 on a house that needs $30,000 of the work, your loan is not safe. Because if the borrower stops paying and doesn't do the work and you have to take the property back, it's not worth $70,000 you have in it. So, you know, a big chunk of your safety in one of these loans is how experienced is the borrower and how um, it, 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 does does he intend to pay you back? I mean, is he is he a scam artist or is he a real real estate investor? The other part of your safety is in things like uh, that you have that there's there's a hazard insurance policy on the property and your name is on it as the lender. Uh, that you are truly uh, in the deal for no more than seventy cents on the dollar, and that means. Any repair money that's going into the deal does not go into the hands of the borrower because once it's in the hands of the borrower, it's not you're not in control of it anymore. It goes into perhaps a an escrow account where the borrower can make draws against it. Um, the that that you have an owner's policy of title insurance that you've done a title search first, so you know that you are in first position if that is what you're expecting to be or in second position if that is what you are expecting to be that the documents be drawn up by a real attorney closed at a real title company's office and recorded uh, by that third party those are the sorts of minimum things that you really have got to do uh, in order to protect yourself and in terms of 
uh, evaluating the borrower himself. I, I'd look at I'd look at proven experience. I'd look at um, the the property, the deal, like we talked about, not being in it for more than sixty cents on the dollar. And you might want to consider uh, only doing deals with borrowers who can put some of their own money into it. So not not loaning a hundred percent of the purchase and repair costs, but rather loaning sixty to sixty five percent and making the borrower come up with some of that as well having some skin in the game that's what a lot of private lenders do today uh thank you very much for your question rk and other listeners who have questions can send them in the same way rk did through our website at realliferealestate.com and uh you can also call the the number here in the studio at 877-772-9658 let's go to line one and talk to gene ann from atlanta gene ann welcome to real life real estate yes how are you i'm very good how are you i'm fine i i need your advice i am a new real estate um, investor, I, I don't have any deals yet, but my but my real question, I guess, to you or what I want to get your input on is, I'm working with an, a friend of mine, and the way it uh, basically has been working is that I've been putting in all the funds for everything, for everything that we do, I paid for it, and I that was fine, you know, with me, I guess, to a point. But um, in exchange for that, or, you know, wouldn't be, not that my friend wouldn't pay me back any expenses, but I understood that I would pay up, you know, a larger percentage of the expenses. But what has been happening is she was supposed to spend, you know, more time, I think, on getting us leads, and she's more uh, computer literate than I am, and I have a full-time job, so her schedule is more flexible but it's not really working out that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like I'm, you know, and we're working with uh, a mentor person, and I don't really have any issues with her, and she's sort of aware of some things, and, you know, she's trying to, you know, push both of us. But I feel like my friend is not really holding up her end of the bargain and just, for you know, various you know, personal things that she's gone through. Unless we get, you know, some deals, she would not be able to put any monies towards expenses. So that would continue to be on me. So I, I guess my question is, we have not formally done a partnership agreement, but various things just sort of have said, you know, we're working together. But what do you do, or is this even a good business arrangement, if, if both of us are new? I've gone to a lot of classes, and she's gone to a few with me, but what do you think we have, and how would we make it work more effectively if there, it's in fact it is a partnership, or how do you pair up with someone, you know, if I if I want to try to pair up with someone else and I really don't know anyone? Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> I know this is a lot uh, to ask, but I'm not exactly sure, you know, how to approach this. Well, Jean Ann, let's start with a little bit of tough love here. When you hang up the phone with me, you need to call up your friend and fire her. <laughs> because I know she's your friend and she probably, like, sh- she probably even has 
the best intentions and she's probably a really nice person but she's not bringing to this partnership the thing that you need brought to the partnership I don't even know her and I can tell you you're the more ambitious one of the two of you you're the one who's more um, going to be the driving force here and you can't keep writing checks to to support somebody who hopefully someday might get around to doing their part you know her part here was supposed to be the work and your part was supposed to be the money and you're doing your part and I don't think she's doing hers and that's extremely common I mean this isn't like this isn't like oh Jean Ann invented a new problem this is like yeah, most of the most of the partnerships that start out in real estate uh, kind of end up this way because it, it particularly in your situation neither neither one of you is bringing the third thing that you need so there's 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 three things that kind of go into each real estate deal one is money and you're you're providing that part one is time and she's supposed to be providing that and the third is kind of like knowledge slash experience which it also sounds like you know maybe you don't have all of it you'd like to have but you're the you're the you're more the driving force there too am i am i right about that right and we are working with a mentor so that was that's the person that can give us that have she does have a lot of her and her husband do have a lot of experience okay so you have you have that third leg of the triangle but you're missing a really important one which is the person who's supposed to be putting the time in right and you have to have all three things now i i guarantee you there there are 10,000 listeners right now going please Jean Ann give your phone number out i will do the i will which which, which you can't do i mean there's there's like there, you know there's so many there's so many folks out there who have a lot more drive and time than they do money to put into things like marketing and education and so on that um you would that would be happy to partner up with you but you need to you need to take control of that next relationship all right it needs it sounds it sounds like because probably this person was your friend you probably shook hands and teamed up and kind of felt like even though we're bringing different things we're sort of equals in all of this and and going forward Jean Ann is in charge Jean Ann's bringing the money she doesn't have the knowledge but she's bringing the person with the knowledge this other person needs to perform or get out of the way very very quickly now, in order to do that, you need to have certain expectations of what activities this person might do. So, uh, what 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 is the what is the plan strategy? What are you trying to accomplish here? You got a wholesale, retail, rent. What? Well, we were looking to do. Uh, I was looking to do like some subject twos or some of these options, not necessarily. Um, rentals per se Mm -hmm. um so that was the um that's sort of what we were looking at initially because um the reason i sort of picked this person was because i knew that she needed um she does online uh she does some teaching online but i knew she needed she wanted to get more money and that was bringing in so i felt like you know, she had the incentive um, to 
want to make this work. And I guess only now, after several months and some conversations with her, it, I, you know, she said things to me like, well, I could, you know, I've set this time aside and I could make calls. Then I'm thinking, well, why haven't you been making the calls? I didn't know what specific time you had set aside. It's just, you know, weird things that I was like, well, okay. And then, um, it, it, you know, it's just things that don't add up. I, under- and, and I, I understand you know, we- why you thought she would be a good candidate, but she has clearly not been one. There are there are enormous number of folks out there in the world who are who are very comfortable with their financial discomfort. They would they would like things to be better. They will complain all day long about how they're not making enough or they, you know, can't cover their bills or they can't do this or they can't do that. And they really want to they really want to travel the world and they really want to send their kid to a better school and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to actually doing something scary in order to change that, they won't do it. And it's not I'm not I'm not even like judging those people. It's just it's just they're you know, they're just comfortable enough that it's not it's not a big priority that, yeah, I've got two hours set aside tonight to make some phone calls, but I'm also tired. And, you know, my husband said, you take me out to dinner and man, that just sounds great. I'd love to not have to, you know, and, and it just, and it just becomes that same thing day after day, after day, after day, after day, after day. And I think that's probably what has happened to your friend well, but see, though, But see, the odd thing was her time was such that she was, she's doing, you know, teaching in the morning, but then like early to mid afternoon was the time that she had set aside to do the call. So, and then she would do teaching later in the evening. But, and I recently, you know, met with her and I said, you know, and I had come with a list of various items. And then I told her, I said, it seems like we get more accomplished when we have actually a list of, you know, you're supposed to do this, I'm supposed to do that, and then we can, can just check in. But it's just a checking in thing, because I, I really think that as partners, we really should be in contact daily or, you know, and that, and, and I feel like we, we're just not um, in contact really enough to keep any momentum going or, you know, it's not like a husband and wife, you can, you know, you can just talk about things to bring things up or you sort of um, have a routine about who does what and it's pretty clear. Whereas with her and I, I guess on some things, either one of us could do them, but I know that she she feels bad that, you know, she's not able to contribute and just various other things. So, and I think, you know, part of it may be that. But, you know, as you said, you know, I just can't, just keep spending money either and not have a person who can um, help get some things done so we can actually get some deals done and we're not and I'm not just paying for uh, you know all these various expenses. Jeannie Ann I'm going to ask you a question and I'm not going to make you answer it over the air. I want you to I want you to give it some really serious thought though like you got 10 minutes after you hang up to think this through and and either answer is fine you just need to be honest with yourself. Are you more interested in fixing this friend and trying to fix this relationship that has been going on for months and is unsatisfactory towards you and for for you and you are still bending over further and further and further to try and help her do what she agreed to do and should not need you supervising her to do it or do you want to be successful? 
if she's like a really close friend and like if you pull the plug on this you're gonna feel horrible about it for the rest of your life then then keep trying to fix her but it's not going to work i and i've i've been there you know i've been partners with people i knew i've i've coached dozens of people who had partners that weren't weren't you know doing what they need to do and they they are impossible to fix she is at a she is at whether it's at a point in her life or whatever where this is just not something that she's committed enough to because should you touch base yeah should you have to touch base every day to get her to do what she needs to do no that's her part of this her part of it is to take the part is to take the take the leads and run with them and that's not happening so you know i don't i don't think you're going to fix her if it's important to you to keep trying keep trying if it's more important to you to actually reach your goals whatever those are it's time to go your separate ways on this I assume from, and this could be wrong, so correct me. I assume that when you say you want to do subjects, subject twos and lease options, you're talking about lease option assignments, or are you actually going to own the properties for four or five years? Uh, Probably own it for maybe, you know, two to three years pending the, um, the, you know, the person that buys it from us, I guess, getting their finances in order, if they're not in order, and then just being able to... All right, yep, got it. You know, what, get their own... What yeah. What was your plan with this partner about how each of you was going to be compensated during this, um, let's be honest, four to five year, typically, <laughs> um, <laughs> period? Well, usually, usually, it's not uncommon to go through one or two or three different candidates before you get the one who actually finances and and you know if there's almost properties making money in the meantime you don't really care right you'd like to get the get cashed out earlier but hey you know it, it happens when it happens so were you gonna were you guys gonna own the property together was there gonna be a one-time cash compensation for her how was that gonna work well I guess on some of these, these options it would be you know people paying their uh, what do you call it their option money or yeah, option down payment yeah up front and then because what because she needed money you know sort of immediately uh-huh. that seemed the best way to kind of accomplish that and she and she felt like yeah I'd be able to uh, have access to some monies now and then you you know you could have the rent but um that was sort of like okay we can try to gear our efforts towards that or something that would give us some monies up front because she she was in a um i mean i'm not saying i'm rich or anything but you know i'm just a little i'm just in a better financial situation than she is so yeah she's she's what's called she's what's called a starter and you're what's called an estate builder she needs she needs cash you need longer term income and tax breaks and stuff like that not not so much the upfront cash um so so was the plan that she was going to get all of the option fee or part of it or well (laughs) we never well, (laughs) well it's not funny but we never put it in writing you know we in in my mind i felt like i was willing to say well maybe i should be in for like 
you know, 60% of the expenses, she'd be in for 40. And then when we brought in money, she would, she would pay, maybe I would get a higher percentage until, you know, not, I wouldn't get all of it, but I would maybe get a higher percentage until we reached the kind of expense mm-hmm. threshold, you know, threshold, something like that. Um, have you had an in-depth discussion with your mentor about this part of it, about like what's my agreement with my partner and why isn't in writing and stuff like that? No. You maybe you maybe ought to do that because you you're you were you were headed down a path here that that hopefully now is going to come to an end because you're just going to call and have a very nice conversation saying this isn't working for me. Good luck to you. But you're, you're, you were headed down a path where nobody really discussed how things were going to be split up. And this, this, was, this is what's more important to me, G-Man. Whose name's going to be on that deed? Because when you buy a property subject to an existing loan, there has to be, there's a deed transfer. There has to be a name on that deed. And somebody, somebody is taking on the risk of making that payment to the bank, uh, even in months where the house is empty. And I, I'm, I'm foreseeing that all of that was going to fall on you. That she was going to get a big chunk, chunk of the upfront payment, that there wasn't going to be any reserve held on that property for, you know, what if somebody moves in and four months later they get transferred to Timbuktu? And now you got a vacancy, and yeah, you got $10,000 up front, but you split it up already. Somebody now gets to go in and clean the place up and paint it and carpet it. That's I think that's going to be Janine. So I I think you were I think you were agreeing to a situation where you were shouldering ninety percent of the risk and investment, and your friend was kind of getting getting the upfront money and get getting to not you know, again not all of it but 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 from her part there was no expectation that she was going to help support the property going forward and this all needs to be thought out and honestly um i think the best solution for you is don't have a partner at all get and basically an employee i mean what what work was she doing to, so so you're you're paying for the marketing i assume right she was taking incoming calls, doing interviews. What 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 was her job? Well, initially we had a VA. Um, if I t- well, if I told you the person, you might someone that you met on this show at one point. Let's just say, mm-hmm. and we did have a VA, and we used them, and then you know we talked and said, well, maybe we don't really need the VA, and she said, well, I can make the calls, which I said, fine. But um, I, I just don't know. Somewhere along the way, I, I, I felt like in the beginning she was more gung ho, but then it seemed like it just got flat. And then as I, you know, time has passed, and I've just had conversations and things she said, I feel like, but why haven't you been doing that? And you know, I, I'm just, I'm just kind of be. She's comfortable in her discomfort. She is comfortable in her discomfort. She's telling you she needs more money, but she's not willing to do the hard part of, you know, turning this into 
more money. And I think that you will do better by paying somebody to take your phone calls, um, chase down leads. And if you know if that person is a virtual assistant, whether or not they are hired, I think I know who you're talking about. I think I think what you did was you hired his pre-trained VA service at a higher cost than what it would have cost you to simply hire your own virtual assistant and train them to some extent yourself. But that way you are, you are basically a hundred percent in control of the part that happens after the deal is gotten. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm worried about for you here is that you not have a partner who owns half a property with you, but doesn't have the money to put into the property if there is money that needs to be put into it and isn't isn't really in a practical sense on the hook to make payments if you don't have a payment coming in and i know the the idea of a partner is very attractive because a it feels like hey now there's somebody in the boat with me yay and <laughs> and, and i'm not 100% having to steer and row and everything else all by myself um, and the other attractive thing about them is they don't get paid unless you get paid. But the flip side of that is what you're experiencing, which is you don't get paid if they don't get paid. And right. I, and right. I'm, 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 I am, I am telling you, I have, I have had effectively this same conversation as recently as last Friday. <laughs> with with some uh. with somebody else who same situation except in their case it was a family member you know my family member was supposed to do this this and this and i find that i find that i'm doing everything i'm supposed to be doing plus part of what they're supposed to be doing and we're still not having any effect because there's just without them without them carrying their weight i don't have time for this like i don't i didn't sign up for this to do 100% of the investment and 100% of the work and i told her the same thing I'm going to tell you, <laughs> which is get an employee. Virtual is fine for what you need them to do. Um, you be the one who is in control of the deals. And yeah, I know you're going to have to pay the employee even when he answers the phone 20 times and there's no deal there. But the 21st time when there is a deal, you don't have to split your deal with that person and you're not giving up long-term control. Cause let me, let me, let me put this scenario in front of you. Let's say she did find a deal and you guys signed it up and you got the deed. Cause that's what you do in a subject to. And you put a tenant buyer in and they gave you $10,000 up front. And of course, first, first you get reimbursed. So of that $10,000, the first five goes back to you for marketing and expenses you put in. And then you split the rest 50-50. So she gets $2,500, you get $2,500. Your tenant buyer stays around for a year and a half, um, gets divorced, can't afford the payment anymore, says bye-bye. You must make the payment to the bank for the two to three months that it's probably going to take to put a new tenant buyer in. Would your friend realistically be able to pay half of that payment for two to three months? No. That's why she can't have any ownership. Because she can't, okay. she can't partake in the risk. She is incapable of partaking in the risk. 
So she can't she can't have any of the ownership because what that means is going forward you take on 100% of the risk for 50% of the profit and that's not fair. I hadn't even thought about that aspect. We were going to do a so like a partnership agreement with my accountant and uh, you know we just never got around to it because she wanted to do the agreement I said no if it's done you know I'd even pay for it but I would want my accountant. I wanted us to have a you know agreement in a way it doesn't but but you I mean you're right you, you bring up a very important point it's not just it's the ongoing risk it's not just the uh, paying expenses but you're right there are a lot there's other risk involved and you know basically everything would fall upon me yeah, right that is exactly correct so if you were to one of the one of the ten thousand people who's listening and going, but please, I want to partner with Jean Ann. I swear, I will do the work I'm supposed to do if she will pay for the expenses. the the deal The deal you could make with somebody like that is you will partake of the upfront money, but but not of any of the in between money for in, in less in less i mean if you want if you want to be a partner here's how being a partner works i get paid back my $5000 first because i put out $5000 and now that just makes us even then there's another $5000 but we are setting aside 4000 of that for reserves and it's going to go into a bank account for that house and you know what if it doesn't get spent because everything goes exactly like it's supposed to go then we'll split that at the end but in the meantime, that you are putting in some of what should be your money for missed payments, you know, emergency repairs, you know, things like that. And anybody who won't agree to that can't, can't play. Now, I would be more comfortable with the idea of telling somebody you're going to, you know, you, 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 can, you can participate in the upfront part. But beyond that, because I'm the one who's signing my name on the bottom line and I'm the one who's taking on the practical and legal risk, I am going to be the owner of the property. And maybe I'll maybe I'll bonus you something at the end. You know, who knows? Uh, You know, you know, who might be a really good person to try and approach about something like this would be a really creative real estate agent, because if they have. Somebody who has a, a real estate license um, has many fewer issues about how they are paid if they are not an owner. A real estate agent can be, can just, you can just say to a real estate agent, look, if you collect $10,000 up front, you get two of it. And that's how they work, right? That's, that's, they, they're, they're used to working on commission. And because they have a real estate license, there's no issue with paying them like that as opposed to paying them because they were a partner or a co-owner of the company. Now it would have to be again a pretty creative real estate agent who who understood all of this stuff and and realized that there's there's a there's a second back end for them on this of course which is the people who won't sell subject to they could list their properties right and I've actually met a real estate agent recently he's also an investor but he might be somebody who would you know I could maybe work some things out with him okay well in that case it could just be sheer straight up commission. Right, you get this much. You get this much percent of the upfront money, and then uh, when and if the property actually sells at the back end, you get the balance of a three percent commission, just like you would with any other property. That's that's pretty straightforward. Okay. 
but but again don't let don't let this don't let this happen again don't let it happen again that you are just going week after week after week going another check where's my payday where's my payday you, you need to you need to have some expectations here about um what are you doing every day? How are we going to track whether you, the other person, are on track to get us a deal? Uh, there's a book I'm going to recommend that you read. You can get it at any bookstore. It's on Kindle, blah, blah, blah. It's called um, Four Disciplines of Execution. Okay. Four Disciplines of Execution. Uh, it's uh, one of the, I think the first named author is named McChesney, and then uh, Stephen Covey's kid is one of the authors. I think his name's Sean. And what that will open your eyes to is how to solve this problem that you get to the end of the month and you look back on the month and you say, well, I was hoping to have closed a deal this month and we didn't do it. So how do we fix it? Because what it, what it encourages you to do is pick pick what's called uh, leading indicators. So, so you've already been taught this. If you've, taken the, if you've taken the class I think you've taken, you've been taught that there's a certain number of potentially motivated sellers you need to talk to before you're going to sign somebody up. And what is that number? Is it 20 or yes. 30? <laughs> ding, yeah. ding, 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 yeah. ding, you pass. <laughs> 20 motive, 20. Yeah. And this isn't just like 20 random human beings, right? This is, this is 20 people who you already had some reason to believe were possible customers. So in order to talk to 20 customers, you're going to need to send out 400 pieces of mail, make some outbound calls. I know you're ta taught to do that. There's going to have to be a certain, num a certain minimal number of contacts per week to get to that 20 potential customers. And that becomes the leading indicator. And that's how you know whether you're, employee agent whoever he is is doing his job look dude i need you i need you to to fill out 20 lead sheets a week and and if you haven't gotten enough incoming calls you're getting on craigslist <laughs> you gotta you gotta make outbound calls to the to the people who look promising right and yeah because if, if we can do that every week think about that if you could if either through incoming calls or outgoing calls you could have 20 filled out lead sheets in front of you a week, do, do you see any possibility that you would not do a deal within a month? No, if we could. Uh, yeah. Right. I so think we, of yeah. course you could. Of course you could. So what you're looking at there is the leading indicator. You're not, you're not looking at, did we do a deal this month at the end of the month? What you're looking at is, did we do the 20, 20 things we need to do this week? And if two weeks in a row go by and you're getting an excuse about, no, I could only talk to five people. No, I talked to 20 people, but I didn't fill out the lead sheets like you asked me to. It's time to move on. Right? You got to be, you, you can, you can, you can, you can fail, but fail forward. <laughs> right? Uh. So, um, yeah, so uh, I have to, I have to go because the show is over. <laughs> <laughs> but... I feel like I just had a head was on the Well, and the reason the reason I didn't just give you a quick answer and move on is because this is so 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 common, and I really did want to hear listeners. I, want, I really did want listeners to hear sort of what the thought process is in taking it on partners versus employees, how to make sure that you're you know getting started in the right way. So I really appreciate your call. I really appreciate your information. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jean Ann. Okay. All right. All right. Bye.
Goodbye. Well, you've been listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing. (laughs) We will be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.